Coming to you live from a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I just dropped all the energy. It's Matt and Brett Love Comics. <laughs> this is why you usually do the intros. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Brett. And this is Matt. Welcome once again to Matt and Brett Love Comics, the show where we take comics and talk comics with comics and the comics industry. Uh, today is no different. We have uh, a really exciting pick this week. <laughs> yeah, we usually pick things that we... I don't know. We rarely ever just pick things out of curiosity. Right. We usually pick things that we like like or is like very well respected. Uh, yeah. This week we're, we're diving into some, some deep, deep interesting stuff. This is some deep cuts. So with the announcement recently that Marvel will be taking back the Star Wars uh, comic book license, we decided to dip way back in the archives and see what it was like the <laughs> first go-round. I hope this isn't... In- Either I hope this isn't indicative, but I also kind of hope this is super indicative. You really hope that I, this is what it turns out I like? hope. It'd be pretty amazing if they just do a 2014 version of this or 2015 it, version it of this. It is balls-ass bonkers. <laughs> I'm not um, going to lie. So yeah, today we're reading Star Wars from Marvel Comics, 1978, numbers uh, 7 through 10. And we are joined today by two uh, of my favorite... Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> Someone getting serious in the kitchenette over there. Um, yeah, uh, two of my favorite Star Wars uh, commentators, celebrities, podcast celebrities, um, in-person people to see at shows, because yeah. I, I saw their show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the Star Wars Minute podcast, Mr. Alex Robinson. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Pete the Retailer. Hello. <laughs> Hello, guys. Thanks for doing the show. Oh, it's our pleasure Thanks for having us. That was quite an <laughs> intro. I hope we can live up to that uh, expectations. Yeah. Oh, we've we've got so much to cover, guys. You there's there's no way you couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah. This is um. I mean, with the Star Wars Minute, uh, which if you don't, if you haven't listened to it, it was easily my favorite podcast of 2013. I would say. I mean, like I got obsessed with it around ish, episode 70, so I like plowed through 70 straight episodes like nonstop for like a week. I think. And for the uninitiated, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, the Star Wars Minute is a podcast where you guys uh, broke down the film Star Wars uh, minute by minute. You would take a single minute and discuss it per episode, and each episode's between uh, 10, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah we spent that, that zone. Yeah, we spent about 20 minutes discussing a single minute of Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, and you guys came into a lot of like really cool insights into things too, like noting. That, you know, an hour in is when they finally get to the Death Star. Like, those, like there's actually, like, a really good three-act structure in the movie. Yeah, well, there's some things, you know, as you go through it, there's some things that you just kind of realize, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But then there's also, you know, you're focusing that kind of minutely on things. Then you start to pick up on little, you know, like, oh, hey, look at that door panel and stuff like that, you know. It's, <laughs> It can get pretty ridiculous at times, but it's also uh, it's also pretty fun. And then when you start to string it all together, it uh, it, it uh, you know it kind of adds a whole new dimension to it. Or the you like the um, I don't know twenty episode stretch of just Paul Treatum talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried to keep uh, Paul Treatum in case in the unlikely event someone doesn't know who he is. He is the I guess technically he's one of the he's the first Imperial officer uh, killed by our heroes when they. Uh, sneak their way out to the Death Star. So, uh, yeah, we tried to keep his name going as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, Never forget. Really, unfortunately, Paul Trudem did have to die. I mean, you know, because uh, I would have loved uh, to have seen him in the Marvel comics, <laughs> the further <laughs> adventures of Paul Trudem. <laughs> yeah, if, if we, I mean, I know we're going the, kind of doing the after 
uh, after the adaptation issues, but I, I did happen to flip back and see the, you know, how the, the comics adaptation treated Paul Treatham, but they, uh, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not great. They do not treat him well. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> they totally should have brought him back as like a half, they should have brought him back as that half ruined cyborg person. As a Borg. Ah, there you go. He as could have been the, the guy yeah. in the case that they carry across the desert planet. <laughs> Oh, now, that would have been great. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about Star Wars on the podcast. I mean, we've, we? we've talked about it when we sort of have our Hangout episodes, but we've never actually done a specific Star Wars comic before. This yeah, is we, the first time. Yeah, we've never dove into... I don't even know how big of a Star Wars fan you are, Matt. I know, I mean, obviously Pete and Alex are big Star Wars fans, right? That's not a, that's not an over-assumption. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? You know. It's funny, because I think we are... Uh, I think we're hardcore casual fans. Yeah, yeah. It, that we, it's not like we we don't take it. We don't care about the expanded universe. We don't take it that seriously. So, so we're not like you know. I've never dressed up in a costume for it. So uh, <laughs> we're in like a weird zone that is like we're fans, but not. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Oh yeah, oh, totally. That, that kind of okay. describes how at least I am. Like yeah. I love yeah. the original trilogy. So much. What is it about the franchise that works for you guys? <clears throat> well, uh, pretty much uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Except the special editions. Yeah, well, we're not going to talk about that. But the, <laughs> uh, Go ahead. It, it's, it's hard to say for me because I feel like it's so, you know, I, I first saw the first Star Wars movie when I was, you know, like uh, seven years old or so. Yeah. So for me, it's not like... I can't come up with an intellectual justification for the amount of brain power I've devoted to Star Wars. It's totally nonsensical, you know. So uh, I think it's just I grew up watching it, so it's almost like religion to me. It's like I just fall back to this kind of moral code I learned from the Star Wars universe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think at one point I compared it to wallpaper. I was like, it's not, you know, I mean, I like wallpaper fine, but you know, it's, it's like a, it wasn't something that I kind of actively participated in as much as it was something that was just kind of something I was swimming in, you know, I was completely surrounded by the star Wars kind of, uh, zeitgeist, the air star Wars is air. Yeah. Peter recently approached me about doing a wallpaper podcast and I was like, I don't know (laughs) the wallpaper minute. (laughs) We just stare at wallpaper for a minute at a time and then talk about it for 10 to 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, when did you first get into Star Wars? Oh, man. Well, I, you know, much like the guy said, I was very much, it's something that my first cognizant memories really Hmm. are of, like, playing with Star Wars toys, because I was born in 1980, and when I was just sort of coming of that, you know, age where you have more cognizant memories around three, four years old, that's right, when Jedi was coming out. Yeah. So I had... You know, I had the bed sheets, I had the toys, I was obsessed with the movie. I think um, the first movie I ever went to see in theaters was E.T., followed closely by Jedi. I, like, I was in love, I was in love with uh, the, the whole concept of it. Oh, yeah. Um, the, I, I would say I'm not, I'm not super diehard. I'm, I'm probably in the same realm as you guys, maybe a step less. Yeah, but I can hold my own in most any conversation uh, regarding the franchise because it is it's 
It's amazing. Oh, boy, that's a challenge right there. <laughs> oh, God, I can, I can already hear people, like, cracking their knuckles and opening up their, like, Star Wars quiz tumbler to be which like... Which one is Zuckus your... and which one is Forlom? No! <laughs> uh. Yeah, I got into Star Wars. See, I was born in 84. Yeah. So I feel like I have, I, I have the weird experience of I didn't discover Star Wars until 90. Yeah. Which is during the only time in history before Star Wars, like, since Star Wars came out, that there was a weird dark period. Right. Because there was yeah, like, n- there was very dark times. There was no uh, merchandise really from like eighty six to ninety five. Yeah. So my sister, who was born in seventy two, um, my sister, <laughs> my Leia, um, she had a boyfriend who like really wanted to get in good with her when mm-hmm. when they were like sixteen. Yeah. And so he, he, my parents left me in the care of him one weekend, and he like showed me a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and it blew my mind. Yeah. And this was like 1990, so I had nothing. Like, no other kids knew what Star Wars was. Uh, I just had this, and then he gave me all of his Star Wars comics, which is why I have these beat-up copies that have, like, pin marks all over them, because he did not take good care of his stuff. Um, <laughs> well, he would have been, like, four or five when these came out originally. Yeah, he. but still, yeah. there's, like, things you should inherently know about comic book collecting, that I feel like he didn't pick up on. <laughs> uh, Comics are made to be put in plastic and put in boxes and never opened or read. Yeah, you're just supposed Maybe to Maybe like, once. Once. <laughs> once is enough. Comics are to be discussed, not to be read. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, like I, I use G.I. Joe figures for Star Wars figures. Yeah. I, there was like one other kid in my first grade class who knew what Star Wars was, and so he mm. was always Chewbacca and I was always Han Solo. And that yeah. was... <laughs> That was it. And then I went, literally, I went crazy when they released all those new figures in 95. And I bought... Out, all out of all the characters, your friend was Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> so in it my- was basically you you saying what was going on and him going, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a... Uh, it's very limiting. Yeah, come to think of it, he didn't really talk that much, like, outside of play. Like, uh, I, think, I think he might have related to Chewbacca's stoicism. Yeah, maybe he chose Chewbacca as like a like a safety net. It was like, all right, then I won't have to talk too much. I won't have to expose my my tender emotions. He <laughs> was a very feeling kid. Mm. So, um, Pete and Alex, did you guys read these Marvel comics when they came out? Like, what is your uh, background with these? Uh, these I'm going to say crazy comics. They're pretty. They're pretty far out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, like I said, I was seven when the movie first came out, so uh, me and my friends loved the Star Wars comics. I mean, yeah, we loved them because it was, you know, uh, in those pre-video days, there wasn't really much way you could find, you could, you know, interact with Star Wars. So this was like as close as you could get. But even then, we were kind of aware that things weren't quite right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the art is clear, like, this is before anyone was really paying attention. The artists clearly weren't putting that much effort into getting the details right in terms of, like, what anything looked like. Oh, yeah. In, in right. the Star Wars universe, so, uh, but I think we were just so excited to see new stuff. I remember reading them out loud into a tape recorder as a kid. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually get into the Star Wars comics. You would think it would be perfect that I was really into Star Wars and really into comics, but I read the wallpaper. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wall- stapled a bunch of wallpaper together and called it a comic. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I never somehow I, I missed that boat entirely. Like I had, you know, you guys just brought up GI Joe a second ago. I had, you know, most of the GI Joe comics, if not all of them. Yeah, I devoured that. But yeah. uh, some somehow the Star Wars comics just never either never clicked for me, or maybe I just kind of never came across. Um, you know, it would have taken some kind of entree issue. You know, something that I could have, you know, kind of jumping on point that I never found or something. Yeah, and I mean, if we want to get into talking about uh, Star Wars number seven through ten. This is the... When did Splinter of the Mind's Eye come out? Did that come out in 78? Like, is this the first ever expanded universe anything? These four issues? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Like, I think... I would imagine... I think it is, pretty much, right? That's crazy to think, like... That's why these issues, I think, feel so weird, is because they hadn't really even defined what Star Wars was yet. So these four issues have so many things in them that just seem so generically science fiction... Which Star Wars is like a very, very specific blend of sci-fi. Like they don't yeah. have all the same tropes that your Buck Rogerses or your Star Treks have. Yeah, those those franchises are much more. I would say, and I think you notice in the costume design and the in the comics themselves, there's a lot more swashbuckling elements. Yeah, and a lot more uh, of those like pulpy elements that they don't use in future Star Wars installments uh, that are in the character designs and the interactions in these issues. Yeah. I also think it's, 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 it's very uh, you know, an interesting choice that, you know, the first Star Wars adventure we get, they immediately, Han Solo, this focuses on Han Solo and Chewbacca, who are really supporting characters, and they immediately, like, are removed from the rest of the cast so yeah. you're kind of there's no stormtroopers there's no darth vader there's no death star there's nothing in it really other than it's it's almost like the those uh han solo at star's end and han solo yeah those those han solo novels that came out which also had a similar tactic of just kind of like let's just tell stories about han and chewie doing cool stuff yeah and mm. there's no actual you can tell yet that there's no actual like style guide in terms of or like you know, specific vocabulary or vernacular. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> first off, the first thing that we see Chewbacca say in the series is, uh, and oh, this tickled me to no end, uh, Gronk. Gronk is how they think he sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does say Gronk a lot in this, which I... I... It's a lot of Gronk. <laughs> and Urk and Garuk. <laughs> It's incredible, and like like Han Solo calling uh, Luke Skywalker a, a, a star hopper. Yeah, they say star hopper oh, yeah. a lot in these. Yeah, it's really um, so. Like the plot of this, they, I do like that the very first issue, issue seven, does um, address like why uh, Han Solo got all that money. He got all the reward from the Empire, but then never paid off Jabba the Hutt, uh, which is spelled with one T. Yeah. In this entire thing. And mm-hmm. he's also on the planet Datooine. Yeah. Um, he's on Dantooine because they uh, typo Tatooine. Um, yeah. But it's also like they did not know that Empire Strikes Back was coming out and they did not. So therefore they did not know that there was going to be a sequel where Han Solo hadn't paid off Jabba the Hutt. It's kind of like they were filling in a plot hole they did not know was going to exist. Yeah. <laughs> but I like how he does get rid of how he loses the treasure, which is meeting... A space pirate. What's his name? Captain. Oh, Crimson uh, Jack. Crimson Jack. Crimson Jack. <laughs> Who's basically dressed That's like a... Zap Brannigan from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, and his like his crew, except for a random stormtrooper, are all dressed like pirates. Like one of them has like a space scabbard. Yeah. Yeah. 
They're very piratey pirates. Yeah. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, they don't really explain why there's one stormtrooper in there, right? Is that just like a merchandising thing? or? They say like... They're uh, just kind a... of like, here's his crew, and here's one stormtrooper available <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. You, you have this toy. Uh, they say he's like a fallen well, stormtrooper or something. Yeah, they say, well, they say, I think it's just someone wearing a Stormtrooper costume, because we all, we all know that the Stormtroopers, their armor is so effective in protection from uh, right. laser right. blasts, but, but the text box does say there's even a white stoic armor of a fallen Stormtrooper, so clearly this is yeah. someone, this was like uh, someone who just taken the costume and... So, uh, Do you think that was just the artist wanted to draw a Stormtrooper? <laughs> I think so. I, 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 I bet it was kind of like they were... Just like, yeah, or they were just like, you know what, dude? Just there's not enough Star Wars in this. Let's just, you know, throw in, throw in some random stormtroopers and a bantha. How about that? And that'll that'll <laughs> yeah. satisfy the. We're not going to give you photo reference for the bantha. You can just kind of make that up. <laughs> All memory. <laughs> well, there's even one page in issue seven where Han Solo has like this like Prince Valiant haircut. Like he has this weird like kind of Mary Tyler Moorish flip do for one panel and one panel only. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> noticing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really staggered at how um, kind of primitive the, especially the inking is in this. I I have to blame the kind of um, the kind of sloppiness on the, unfortunately, on the inker Frank Springer, because if you look at Howard Chaikin's work in the adaptation, it's much. I don't know. It's a bit tighter. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It kind of goes back and forth. But yeah, there, it, there's not really much attention paid to continuity, even like on the same page. Han Solo's like hair changes panel to panel. Chewbacca's height changes panel to panel. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, know, it's it's really strange. Frank Springer's an a, an old hand too, right? Like he's he's a golden age name. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be. He seems to have like a lot looser brush than. Uh, than like even Chaikin uses on himself. Uh, there's there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of really strange, rounded faces and a lot of curves where I feel like Chaikin would use a lot sharper angles. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, we do meet. I think I'll, I, uh, I was going uh, to say I think that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Now go for it. So I, um, I think also uh, that movie adaptations were not considered um, primo assignments for mar- for artists at the time. I think movie the things were generally considered like ugh, like this is kind of a a uh, a not a high prestige job, right? So it's possible Frank Springer was like, "Who gives a crap about this book that you know kids kids are." Uh, you know, not right. really paying much attention. He was tapping a cigar with one hand while he was like inking very steadily, <laughs> crazily with a brush in the other. Well, he's probably inking another page with his other hand. I think yeah. that <laughs> explain a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. Yeah. Chewbacca, Chewbacca was the most jarring to me of how, because especially because when you open when you open issue eight and you start looking through it, his uh, like the the character models are a lot more on point once Tom Palmer comes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another reason I think Frank Springer was probably a lot of the reason to blame because Tom Palmer clearly is is it, paying a bit more attention. You can even see some panels that were he, you could tell like there was photo reference used for them. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot more zipatone that's already that's uh, that comes into play with the second yeah. part of this story. Um, so, yeah, well, <clears throat> sorry. The uh, I don't know if it's my you know if it, it could be the three print. I'm not looking at the originals. You guys are, but also the coloring. While we're at it, they, yeah. they seem to, at least in issue seven, they seem to really want Chewbacca to be more of a, a chimpanzee or something. Like they, they give him a kind of a big flesh-colored swath around his mouth all the time. Yes, it's yeah, like we're Planet of the Apes looking thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very much more of a Cornelius than a Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> so the plot of number seven is they go and they get uh, all their treasure gets taken by the space pirate Crimson Jack, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they land on Aduba 3, I do believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aduba Duba 3, um, where they start just taking odd jobs to make more money, one of them being burying a half-man, half-cyborg called a Borg. Mm-hmm. So, Star Trek, you don't own that. <laughs> Uh, bearing him on a hill because all the other, what space, what do they call them? Like space hoppers or yeah, like space pilot spacers, space, right? Spacers. 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 They call them spacers. Because <laughs> all the other spaces are racist against um, Borgs. They're they spacers. Don't, they, don't, they don't want them on their hill. They don't want them buried on Pilot Hill. <laughs> uh, so how Star Wars-y does that plot feel? It uh, doesn't feel Star Wars-y at all to me. I yeah. mean, for one thing, uh, you know, like Han Solo's all like deferential to the to this this alien insect priest and kind of like calling him oh father, you know, yeah. whatever the alien version of father is. It seems very uncharacteristic for Han Solo to be like suddenly such a uh, religion, you know, like so respectful for. Well, and he even says like figures. I should have gone to more Sunday school, which is crazy to think <laughs> yeah. that like there's yeah. there's Sunday school in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday. Sunday school actually was where they took their their business classes. So I think he's saying he's a poor businessman, which we all know to be true. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, he gets he gets it's it's a weird thing of like uh, the by the Borg's religion, however much money he has on his body when he dies goes to whoever buries him. Right. So Han's like, oh, okay, right. cool, I got this. <laughs> I yeah. need money. Uh, and then they basically get attacked a lot. It's it's a very it's a very very weird weird story. Yeah, you kind of expect like a twist ending at the end, where like they're going to bury the Borg, and suddenly it's going to turn out that he was alive, or there was going to be some twist at the end. They just kind of bury him, like, well, that's done. Yeah, I got some you know, money. There's no real point. Oh <laughs> man, the 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 shot of Chewie with like the the two women on the last page of Seven is yeah. just like I want. I if I was ever to get a Star Wars tattoo, it would be that. <laughs> <laughs> Because Han is hooked up with a a, a blue looking lady at the bar, and he's like, "Hey, Chewie, are you okay?" Right? And then Chewie's yeah. like, "No." Hey, Chewie's like, "I have these two humanoid uh, females that I'm obviously interested in." One's a, a one's a yellow woman in a dunce cap with uh, ninja stars <laughs> around both of her thighs, and the other one is a, an orange woman in a bikini with what looks like a colander on her head. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like maybe like a plunger with a handle broken off or something. <laughs> well, you gotta wonder what does his wife think about this? Like, is this the kind of stuff mm. that he does? Right. Wookies aren't Wookies aren't as uptight about stuff like the way humans are. You know. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Wait, what is his wife's name? I forgot. It's Itchy and Lumpy. Uh, Mala, Mala is his lumpy okay. wife. Yeah. Which is short for Mala Tobuk. <laughs> 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 
Um, Neither here nor there. That's just what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after this weird foray into vi- weird half-human, half-robot religious burials. Well, here's, here's a question. Here's a question before we, uh, before we jump in uh, to the next part. If you would have picked this, this one specifically up when you were seven... And all you knew was the first was episode four. Do you feel like this would have been a satisfying read? Oh well, having picked up this issue when I was seven in nineteen seventy-seven or seventy-eight or whatever this came out, uh, it was not satisfying. But it, it didn't matter because it was Star Wars. It was this you was all you mean? had. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it, it was not satisfying the way sort of when you're watching an episode of a show you love, you're like, nah, that one that wasn't that good. But still. It was cool seeing that Bantha. You have yeah. to be like that. Uh, and the cover is the best thing about the uh, the issue. Oh, yeah. We haven't mentioned it, but the cover is super awesome and exciting. And you can understand why they put more effort into the cover, clearly. Not as much effort into... They didn't put any more effort into making him look like... You know, it doesn't look like Chewbacca, but it still is a cool cover. It's dynamic, and that doesn't really happen in the issue. I mean, I guess it kind of does, but... No. There's no, yeah, like... This, the, the cover is way more exciting than anything that happens in the... Yeah, easily. Mm-hmm. It, also, Han Han does not have his classic blaster on the cover. He's borrowed one, I think, from one of these guys they beat up. <laughs> yeah, he's got some kind <laughs> of bar- Flash Gordon ray gun. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's an orange weird ray gun. Yeah. Uh, so then we get into the main plot of this of the next of the eight through ten issues, which mm-hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense. Um. Basically, a poor, uh, defenseless village hires Han Solo and Chewbacca to, their, to, in turn, hire other mercenaries to protect them from a guy that comes every year to bully them into giving them money, and also women, <laughs> and yeah. also, like, the teenage girls to have fun with. Uh, right. But they say up top, we don't have a lot of money to give you. Correct? Yeah. yeah. I got that right. So the issue seven is all about Han Solo, like, I need money, I need it fast. And then a bunch of people come and offer him a job that doesn't pay that much, but also makes him split the money between six other people, and he takes that job. Yeah. <laughs> that, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> well, the, the plot is pretty much stolen from the Seven Samurai, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. more or less. And also Bug's Life, for those of you <laughs> more recently. That's the same plot as Bug's Life. Which okay, is, got it. Bug's Life, you know, on board. Uh, Kevin Spacey would, is the uh, bad guy, and yeah. So. I wouldn't say stolen. It's, it's an homage to uh, yes, Seven yes. Samurai. It's a tribute. And Bug's Life is obviously an homage to 8 for Aduba 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. The classic of my, American literature. <laughs> my favorite scene in all four issues, though, has to be when Han Solo decides to start interviewing mercenaries, and it smash cuts to Han Solo shirtless in his hotel room conducting interviews <laughs> <laughs> yeah there really isn't there's absolutely no explanation for it like not even in the not even in the story itself why is he you shirtless gotta, you gotta get something for the ladies i'm sure you guys wouldn't be, you know guys don't question the fact that this lady walks around in a, basically a bikini <laughs> a cotton candy bikini yeah yeah but and we yeah it's weird because he's also just kind of sitting on the edge of his bed too <laughs> with no shirt on it's been like so You've got quills, huh? You're here to audition. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, like, like you, okay, say you're a mercenary, and you walk into, you you have an interview with someone, and you walk into the room, and the guy's sitting on the edge of his bed shirtless. What do you think? 
That's how I got my current job. <laughs> also, I mean, I'm not a mercenary, so I don't know. I mean, that could be custom. That could be like customary. Like that could just happen. That's true. We also don't know how did Han Solo uh, and Chewbacca hook up. It might have also been a shirtless edge of bed situation. That's true. <laughs> Maybe that's his way of proving he's not wearing a wire. Ah, great point. I like, I like that no prize. That's a good no prize. <laughs> yep. I accept it. Uh, but then we meet the people that he recruits who are, okay, if you're, again, you're a kid picking this up and you're excited to read the adventures of these characters you love from the movie, and instead you get these six uh, weirdos. Um, oh, this is delightful. Don Juan Quixote. Which itself is a hilarious portmanteau that makes no sense in a culture far away. Um, but he's a Jedi Knight. He's a Jedi Knight who dresses right. like a knight and carries a lance. Is that a? Uh... It's a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does have a lightsaber, so he he was worthy enough to to have a lightsaber. Uh, you got Hedgy, one of the few remaining Spiners, who is basically a porcupine. He keeps saying Spiner in the story, and I keep it just feels racist. Yeah. It feels speciesist. Yeah. You're right. one of the last few spiners around. Uh, Amaza, who used to run with the Black Hole Gang, is that what it was? Yep. Um, who was basically dressed like a cotton... She's dressed like a gym villain, kind of. Like a cotton candy, strawberry shortcake villain. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get... No, she probably smells fantastic. <laughs> oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> well, she's got a flower in her hair. She looks like She looks like she got dressed for the opera and then just didn't put her dress on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And then lastly, you get um, Jim, with two M's, also known as the Star Killer Kid. Good use of the first draft. Yep. Uh, and his robot, Effie. Um, so, guys, what... Oh, and also Jackson the Green Rabbit. How could I forget Jackson? Yeah, yeah, you I, didn't mention the best one. I thought you were saving that for last as a, yeah. as a treat. You have to save Jackson for last. How does everyone feel about these, this, these colorful band of characters introduced? Uh, you know what? I kind of like it. Uh, I gotta say, well, but also maybe because uh, I'd rather have my car- I'd rather have my Star Wars be fun and more of a throwback to kind of classic, you know, just sort of silly serials rather than really dark, brooding, serious. Like, oh, this is the you know Siths. I don't know. I, I, I don't really care so much for when Star Wars takes itself a hundred percent super seriously. Yeah. I always think it's better when it's a little bit of a a wink to it. Yeah, and uh, you know this wasn't as much of a problem at the time, but I'm also glad that it was you know all these new weirdos and not like oh it's Greedo's brother and you know uh, this guy who was related to this guy who was you know it, it wasn't all tied together. They were kind of exploring new, albeit goofy, corners of the universe. Yeah, it is weird that you don't see any other like members of the same alien species from the Cantina up in here, like a Bith or uh, a Snaggletooth well, or any of those. In the scene where uh, they're in the bar, actually, I think that's the end of... There's a scene where Han's in the bar and gets into a fight, and some of the aliens, again, I'm attributing this probably to Tom Palmer, look like they are inspired by... I can't find it now. But uh, some of them look like they were loosely modeled on... the, the Okay, the alien that Han fights the beginning, not the big green guy, but there's another guy, the girlfriend, no, the boyfriend of... Somebody, it's like a silver guy with an exposed brain. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, it's the very, 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 
Okay, and that guy is clearly modeled on one of the cantina aliens who had that big watermelon head and like a gas mask. Yeah, face. yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, but that was very yeah. But you're right. There's no recognize easily recognizable uh, aliens. So, uh, I also wanted to point out that the villain. I just noticed this reading this for the. I read this this morning to refresh myself, and the villain. I never noticed this before. Is clearly a tribute to cartoonist Sergio Aragonés. Oh, he totally looks like him. Oh, yeah. And his name is Sergiex Arrogantus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Duh. So, uh, apparently a little shout-out there from uh, Roy Thomas and Howard Chaikin. That's, I love that. <laughs> Sergiex. <laughs> so there you go, Sergio. Sergiex. <laughs> yep, Sergiex, Sergio, yeah. Oh, man. I like to, it's, it's, I like these, as I was reading them, I just kept, like, shaking my head going, what am I reading? And the more, the more I just, like, surrendered myself to it, the more I was, this is so hilariously fun, like, flipping through these and seeing, like, all of these alternate, like, characters that now I just, like, I want to see these guys show up. Does Jackson have a life after these four issues? I'm, from a oh, kid, sure. I remember he, he shows up later on a bunch. He shows up not less than a year later. He shows up um, in issue number 16. Okay. So him and uh, the uh, Con Candy Girl both show up in 16. So uh, I don't know much beyond that. But, uh, Ooh, are they together? Positive. I can't believe that. <laughs> None of the expanded universe. The expanded universes from Dark Horse must have included somehow a knowing tribute to Jax. You know what I mean? I think he has been. I mean, because the 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 stance taken to the to the Marvel series is like none of it is in canon unless it is referenced elsewhere. Because the uh, was it Lumia Lumaya, um, yeah. who was a big villain in like the novels right now. Apparently, like she got her debut in um, like the Walt Simonson run around issue sixty or so. Uh, so I think that Jackson has been worked in at some point. I don't know. We could go to Wikipedia and check it out, but then we'll be on Wikipedia for hours. Right. <laughs> Reading about how all these characters you liked as a kid are now dead. Uh, like Jason Solo. Um, in issue eight, you guys, having the physical copy here, um, the first letter in the letters column is someone tearing apart their adaptation of uh, yeah. A New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> what they say? It's pretty Super incredible. Mad. Let's do a quick let's do a quick read here. Uh, it starts off. It's addressed to people. That's how you know it's going to be good. <laughs> people. You have to read it in a nerdy voice. <clears throat> uh, about a year ago, I stopped collecting comics because they were getting too expensive for my tastes. However, thirty five cents. I came out of my hermitage long enough to pick up issues one through four of Star Wars at a recent convention. Because of my devotion to the movie, I was utterly disgusted at the job you people have done on the comic end. <laughs> You people. (laughs) First of all, Roy's adaptation is, to say the least, horrendous. He's added things that don't need to be added, giving the reading reading a... Things from George Lucas's shooting script. (laughs) Yeah. Gives the reading a fourth grade look. Why he can't spell Wookiee right is beyond me. (laughs) I think fame has gone to the Thomas Head so that he thinks he can do whatever he wants because he's... Who he is, he's who everybody claims he is. Roy Thomas, Boy Wonder. I'm amazed you didn't try to put that into a comic book. Jeez. Let me say before I rip into Howie Chaikin that I Wait, really... Wait, he calls him Howie? Howie. <laughs> wow. 
that I really enjoyed the poster he did a year ago, but the artwork in issue one just left me cold. Most of it seemed as if he was just hacked out and not given the time he could have given it. No doubt it was the upper echelons that made him move his tush faster than he could move his pen. <laughs> Luckily, <Snap>. I... <sighs> Luckily, Lyahola's inks, as well as superior coloring methods... Oh, Marie, Marie, you should be baking a cake for the peasants rather than doing a guillotine job on issue one, has saved this series somewhat. People who wrote letters in the 70s to comic books are insane. Yep. <laughs> I haven't seen issue five yet, although I know it's out. All I ask now is that when you go on with this series after Roy Thomas's mutant adaptations of the novel, please, please get a pro sci-fi man to do the stories, or call in Don McGregor, who did such a beautiful job scripting the Kill Raven series, rather than have <laughs> Star Wars turn into another superhero mag. God love them for themselves, though. Oh, and don't take it too hard, Roy. You can write all of Ben Grimm's dialogue forever. Sincerely, Don de Contreras, Garden Grove, California. I like that his name is con his contrary in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just he's the, that. That seems like maybe it was a plant. Maybe it was a fake letter, just because he's the contrarian who's <laughs> taking issue with everything and calling everybody by their familiar names. Unbelievable. That was uh, like Stan Lee wrote that. Yeah, that was actually Stan Lee. <laughs> oh. I don't think we do did. see a, we do see a little bit of Luke and Leah in this uh, issue, and Luke just goes off um, to find the rebel base, a new rebel base, I guess with C three PO and R two, and this sort of sets the precedent that from now on, Luke and Leia will always be wearing, and Han Solo too, for that matter, will always be wearing the outfits they were wearing in Star Wars. Yeah, it's weird right. that they didn't latch on to Luke's um, medal ceremony garb, right? Yeah, like they did in the Star Wars Holiday Special, where he wore that on his adventures to find Han Solo and Chewbacca. I think he does wear the metal ceremony garb at some, like in future issues, because I remember seeing it, maybe like in the later teens. But yeah, and this he's just wearing his farm boy outfit, which has got to smell horrible. I mean, you guys talk about that a bunch on Star Wars Minute. It's like, they went through the <laughs> trash. They were in the trash. Yep. It has to be. They have to all smell horrible. <laughs> I like that it's also a, a blurb on the cover. It's like a little, in this issue, the deadly mission of Luke Skywalker. And it's really just kind of a page or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of like, oh, and Luke Skywalker did this. Okay, now back to Han Solo beating up people in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, it does say extra in this issue, the deadly mission of Luke Skywalker. Oh, right. so. yeah, I think they just wanted to put Luke Skywalker on the cover somehow so people would be uh, ready. Yeah, to go. Luke is in the corner box of all these issues, and he looks like He-Man. Like, he's got, like, long, flowing locks, big pecs, like, hand on his hip. Sure, he looks yes. like that first uh, 1995 wave of action figures that Hasbro made. That Luke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Barrel-chested Luke. Barrel-chested yeah. Han. Uh, uh, one peculiar thing, um, in issue seven, at the end of issue seven, Han, Han and Chewie are in the bar. Chewie's hooking up with those two uh, girls. <laughs> And suddenly, like, three guys come in, and they appear to be, like, Asian monks. Yeah. Yep. And then when they show up, when in issue eight, they're clearly three, like, Luke Skywalker guys. Yeah. You know I mean, they're all dressed, essentially, the oh, way Luke totally Skywalker are. Yeah. And I'm well, wondering one's, one's if... One's a nerd, apparently. Yeah, I was actually wondering if that was supposed to be Howard Chaikin drawing himself in, because he almost looks like mm. what Howard Chaikin looks like. Huh. 
Oh, considering yeah. they put Sergio Aragones in, I was like, oh, I wonder if there's other, all the people are actually like real people that we don't recognize. That would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. And I could see like Frank Springer seeing that and being like, wow, what are you doing, kid? Ah. I don't know why he sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, yeah, so I wonder if it was a, why they changed them to white people after they are Asian people in the, uh, a rare bit burst of sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, they are kind of, like they're almost like 1940s Disney level offensive caricatures of, yeah. Because uh, mm. they're all, like, wearing robes. they got really squinty, like, faces. It's pretty, um... They, were, they refer to honor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we jump... When we get into, when we get into the, the story again in issue nine, where everyone's sort of on their way to this town, um, it's... And I do want to point out that um, Starkiller Kid is wearing pants... At this point in the story. Yes. Which I will bring up later. Um, (laughs) Because that is not always the case. Yeah. You're not going to bring that up for everyone, right? I just want to point out that Han Solo is wearing pants here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we have a pants count for every book that we read. How many people? But um, as uh, as we sort of get into it, it seems like even the... Like, art-wise, they really seem to settle in together on this issue more than the others. Like... You can, you can tell that it seems like Tom Palmer's a lot more comfortable with like what Howard Chaykin is drawing, yeah. and everything just seems to come together a little better in this issue than it had in the ones previous. Nine and ten do look more consistent and like better than seven and eight. I would definitely say. Yeah, I mean the transition just going from the end of seven to the beginning of eight. You know, besides the uh, the Asian guys turning into white farmers, that <laughs> is that seven to eight. Yeah. Yeah, that the you know just the art in general, like you know even Han Solo, you know from from the last panel of seven to the first panel of eight, it's like a different, you know, it's like reading a completely different comic, not just the next issue of the of the same comic. And speaking yeah. of which, Brett, I want you to take a picture of this and put this up with. Oh yeah, so there is a pinup. Is this in the in, original issue? Is this in the omnibus? There's a pinup um, by Howard Chaykin of Chewie, Han, Luke, and Leia. And it's gorgeous. It's it's so cool, and it looks like how Howard Chaykin draws. Yeah. And if this is what the series looked like, I would be going ape. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, in the the collection I have from Dark Horse. It is in there, but it's it's on page sixty three. It's in the middle of the adaptation of the movie where Leah's yeah. sitting on the floor. Yeah. Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, I'm yeah. looking at sixty three to see if I have that. It's a great. It's a great pinup. Uh, I want to commend whoever owned this issue before me uh, for not ripping that out. Yeah, and putting, <laughs> and putting it on a wall. Oh yeah, wait. I have it on page sixty-one. Mm, weird. Yeah. That's interesting because it comes halfway through issue nine. Yeah, uh, in the physical copies. Um, mm. So, can we talk about Don Juan Quixote for like a little bit? Because to me, he's the weirdest one of the bunch like the one that just more than the talking green rabbit yeah i don't know well i mean even the rabbit does eat space carrots yeah no he doesn't he's no, a meat eater oh he's a meat yeah, eater. He yeah he hates carrots but they do yeah. reference the fact that space carrots do exist in the star wars universe they are a thing um but just don juan quixote i do like that they do call out that like han is like he doesn't even know that darth vader killed all the jedis which 
Like, that was a piece of canon that I didn't even really realize was established within Star Wars A New Hope, was it? Well, it, Ben Kenobi claims that Darth Vader helped the Empire hunt, uh, hunt, hunt down yeah. and, and destroy the Jedi Knights. So I do right. like that Han is smart enough that they actually do point out that, no, 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 he, he, he shouldn't be a Jedi, they are all dead, but we're still going to use one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I always just know, thought he was just a... Go, go ahead, Pete. No, I think you're about to say the same thing. Yeah, my impression was just that he's like just kind of like an eccentric, crazy guy who thinks he's a Jedi. Yeah. Much the same way that Don Quixote, uh, Don Quixote <laughs> assumed he was thought he was a real knight. So, but it's sad. Yeah, that... <laughs> I thought there was going to be some kind of payoff to that, kind of like with the uh, the, the burial story that you thought there was going to be some kind of twist or payoff or something. Yeah. But... Nope. Don Juan Quixote, I thought there was going to be some kind of like, oh, and it turns out he was crazy or something like that. But yeah. It just kind of plays out. There's a lot of Don Quixote, but not a lot of Don Juan <laughs> in Don Juan Quixote. You know, it's it's interesting, too. I I really want to see... I would love if this character popped up again, because don't you... Am I mistaken? Don't you have to have some type of... Like, for you to have a lightsaber bestowed upon you... Mm-hmm. You have to build it. Yeah. So he would have... Like, there's he, a very personal element to having a lightsaber... Which means that I don't think he's lying. Ah. Which makes me wonder, is this a Qui-Gon Jinn recruit? Like, who recruited this clown? <laughs> I love him. I love him. I mean that in the best way. This guy is so weird. This guy's so weird, he dresses as a knight. Yeah. And of course, you know, within the context of real life, no one knew what an actual Jedi, Jedi knight, knight looked was. like. But this guy is like, clearly old enough to have been around. Yeah, he's uh-huh. he's Obi Wan Kenobi age, so, which means he chooses to dress this way. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will I will dispute the fact that it, the fact that he owns a lightsaber means he is must be a Jedi because sorry Pete I know you hate when we bring up the prequels but uh. Uh, General <laughs> Grievous had several lightsabers That's which fair. he got from killing other Jedi admittedly so and also you figure with all those oh. dead Jedi. Like eBay, the secondary market for lightsabers, like <laughs> price must have plummeted because there was all these dead Jedi, all of whom had lightsabers, and now they're all like you know there's no one around to use them, so probably okay. could have gotten one pretty cheap, yeah, or found one, yeah, yeah. or killed a Jedi. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I like that even better. And took over his identity, like yes, he is kind of delusional. I um, like it, but we also get in this. Um, like, Don Juan Quixote, like, he dies in an issue, but then the next issue, you're like, no, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, actually, he was like, wearing armor. Yeah. <laughs> also, he trades, in, he trades in his lightsaber for a lance on the splash page of issue nine. Yeah. The opening of it, he's, he's carrying, like, like a, a jousting stand. lance. Yeah. yeah. He's ready to joust. Um, you had a better weapon before. All, of the, uh, all the climaxes in this don't make any sense, in a way. Uh, like the Sergio X who oh, comes yeah. into town just gets stomped by a Godzilla monster. Yeah. And then that storyline is resolved. Yeah, they really don't listen to that old guy who has the solution. Yeah. Nobody listens to him. The, one of the, there's an old sorcerer in the town they're supposed to save who, for some reason, why did he just now decide to call upon the beast to stop Sergio X? Yeah, he had, if he had this up his sleeve all along. Yeah. Um, mm. but he calls this Godzilla monster, the Godzilla monster fights them, a Godzilla monster that also shoots lasers out of its head fin. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, it, it baffles me to think, like, 
they watch Star Wars and this is the stuff they took away from it. Because I don't even know, like, there's nothing even in the movie Star Wars that would even lead you to think, oh yeah, Godzilla head fin laser shoot monster thing. <laughs> well, it's well, maybe it's, because... uh, it's like kind of uh, editorial interference or something there, you know, like, like, all right, what do we got? Uh, with the, the kids like, uh, you know, Howard the Duck is really popular. Let's have a talking, uh, I don't know, <laughs> rabbit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, what, are, what are the kids reading now? Godzilla? All right, put the Godzilla in there. Give them a space Godzilla. <laughs> it does feel yeah, like think, that. And I think also now, you know, 35 years later, we are, when we are flooded with, I mean, for God's sakes, this whole podcast devoted to people talking about Star Wars, it's probably easy <laughs> to forget how, like, basically there was two hours of stuff you saw, and other it was pretty much just science fiction. Like, why couldn't you have had giant Godzilla yeah. monsters yeah. in the Star Wars universe? I mean... Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I, it uh, makes sense. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the Godzilla monster, but you're right. This story makes no sense, and it's very, like, kind of, it, like, it does, like, things happen that have no payoff. Other things happen that come out of nowhere, and it, it's just very kind of, like, wonky storytelling. It's almost like they just started writing, like, page one, sit down at the typewriter, just start going. Like, there's no foreshadow. There's no, like, forethought. Um, because, like, they realize after they resurrect Don Juan Quixote, or it's revealed he didn't die, all of a sudden they notice that his lightsaber, for some reason, uh, makes the Godzilla monster, like, freak out. So instead of, I don't know, having Don Juan Quixote have a hero moment, they instead have, they, they're, they're instead like, hey, you're too slow. Chewbacca, pick me up and run me over there to take <laughs> his lightsaber and fight. Mm-hmm. So we did not know that Wookiees were apparently super fast. <laughs> I will say the um, it's interesting. I read this. I read this digitally in the omnibus special, and looking back at the actual colors on the pages themselves, they're a little bit muddier. But the art actually seems more favorable in the original physical copies than it does huh. in the digital edition. And I think it's because a lot of that, a lot of the separations have been cleaned up. Yeah, and so you can see where the line work might be a little bit uh, less exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I, I I think that it's the storytelling itself that seems uh, uh, quizzical here because these these elements are all for as much as we're like ragging on them, they're really fun and really silly. And yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> like why not have Jackson the Rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> Which I just love this concept. Is is Jackson everyone's favorite of the ragtag group? Uh, I when I was a kid, I liked the hedgehog guy. Nice, but um, yeah, I think the rabbit stands out as. Uh, actually, I'm working on a comic, and I included a tribute to Jackson in it. So clearly, I have some fondness for the character. Oh, awesome! <laughs> so now it'll be Alex Robinson canon. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars canon. Love it. Um, the another another uh, plot point that doesn't pay off is the Star Killer kid. He is recruited because he wants to get off of Aduba Three. He wants to live a life. He wants to go have adventures. And Han Solo is like, "You remind me a, a lot of Luke Skywalker," which is also a nice, convenient transition to a Luke Skywalker interlude. Yep. Um, but the right. very end of issue ten, after they defeat the Godzilla monster and they all get their reward, the uh, bikini, the bikini lady daughter. Yep. Of the animal sorcerer or whatever is like, oh, by the way, I have a crush on you, Star Killer, and he's like, oh, I'm not going to leave at all. 
So again, like another thing that we were wanting to see pay off is just like, nope. Nope, I'm good. In this one panel, he's like, nah, I'm good. That's kind of like a what if for the Star Wars universe. You know, that this was, you know, what if Luke had just, you know, some girl had just been uh, willing to admit she had a crush on Luke, then the whole the whole adventure wouldn't have happened. Oh, man. <laughs> if Cammy had just paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Ben Kenobi would have had to kill her, too. Right. Oh, yeah, that... that that wait, who came up with that theory? Was that one of y'all or your guest? I don't recall, but it is now officially canon. So, oh uh, no, I don't know. I remember yeah. I was getting. They yes. came up with a theory that Obi Wan Kenobi uh, killed Baru and Owen in order to push Luke into uh, going on the damn full crusade. Yeah, and wow. the Jawas too. And the Jawas. And the Jawas. Wow, mind blown. <laughs> That's really intense. That's like really intense. Everything you know about Star Wars at that point is wrong because he's so he's so brash, he's so brash and foolhardy because of his own training. Because Qui Gon Jinn was uh, <coughs> uh, uh, played fast and loose with the rules, ah. that he thinks that he can still do shit like that. Oh, well, man. I always thought because he's been uh, he's been living on Tatooine as a hermit for twenty years. I imagine he also went a little cuckoo. Oh, yeah. of course. As, I mean, he lived in a cave. Happened to Yoda, as we saw. My favorite, one of my favorite moments is when you first meet Yoda. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love how unhinged he is, and he's just fucking with Luke's shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> just <laughs> laughing to himself. Like, I want to see a whole movie about that Yoda. <laughs> That's awesome, Yoda. That guy who steals lamps. <laughs> he's got a whole collection of lamps. <laughs> Yeah, over the years, uh, like, you know, dozens of people have accidentally gotten stranded on Dagobah <laughs> and Yoda's, like, you go into Yoda's basement and there's like 55 different lamps down there that he's stolen from the people that he's uh, murdered. <laughs> and he always insults their candy bars, their food. <laughs> yeah, they're naked twix. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, do we have any other final thoughts about Star Wars number 7 through 10? Ah, <sighs> um... I- I was going to say, I'm disappointed we didn't cover number 11 because it's called Star Search. And I'm assuming Ed McMahon takes some kind of prime role in that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I actually think in a lot of ways, uh, starting with 11, uh, I have much more fondness for 11 on than I did for this original thing. And I think they kind of got it, they kind of, uh, Archie Goodwin took over as the yeah. uh, uh, writer, and I think it, he had a better handle on the material than, uh, uh, you know, than uh, uh, Roy Thomas script. Yeah, this Roy. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too because so much of so much of Star Wars they say is based in the old pulps. And if you read any interview with Roy Thomas, he talks about how much he loves that era and those sort of like old adventures like that and yeah. all that all that golden age entertainment. And you would you would think that it would come together better. I wonder if. I wonder, because it's an adapted property, if there was a lot of, like, interference from above Marvel that caused a lot of this story to be as wonky as it is. It feels like it. And also, this was a huge seller. Like, it was enormous. Having these issues, um, every single issue of these has ads for a whole bunch of Star Wars merchandise. Um, a lot of them are, they're trying to sell people who bought, like, issue 9, issues 1 through 6. And they're like, 1 through 3 are reprints. Uh, you'll get 1 through 6, though. They're the exact same issues. They're just reprints, which means like they sold out. Like, yeah, that, it, it's yeah. crazy to think like they were a huge, huge success. So I can't, I, that, like Pete said, it's like, yeah, they probably like, yeah, Godzilla, put them in there. Uh, lasers, whatever, put them in there. Giant rabbit. They like Howard the Duck, do it. Yeah. 
Also, uh, whenever the Godzilla monster is destroyed, uh, Chewbacca's reaction is Fronk. Oh, Fronk. <laughs> Fronk is the kind of sad Gronk. Yeah. <laughs> He's sad to see him go. How do you, I mean, they they handle Chewbacca's dialogue, it's always rendered like a sound effect. Yeah. As if, like, it's not coming out of his mouth, it's just sort of coming from the environment. And <laughs> Do you think that would be better to have, like, a word balloon with a Gronk in it? A word balloon that said Gronk. I, I, love, I think it would be funnier. It would yeah. be really funny. would have funny. given him the respect he deserves as a fully-fledged character. I mean, come on. Instead of just a piece of background decoration. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, Has anyone done a story where it's from Chewbacca's point of view and you kind of hear his voice? I would love that. Ah, oh, that's such oh, a wow. great idea. How do they handle him in the novels? I mean, like, I feel like the novels where you could really... Like, do that. Like, with a you know, uh, narrator and stuff. Um, but I think he... I don't, I don't know. That'd be really cool. He's dead. I think the novels are mostly the kind of, yeah, that omniscient narrator kind of like... Yeah. And then the Wookiee, you know, did this. The Wookiee, yeah. I, I would, yeah. I would love to... His reply. <laughs> see, like a, like a Chewbacca... Maybe, you know, we're always joking about doing a... Uh, Maybe not joking. We're always talking about doing a, a Wookiee subtitle track, but it would be great to do just kind of like, you know, overdub internal dialogue and have it be somebody like, you know, somebody very proper, like Anthony Hopkins or something, do, you know, Chewbacca's dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> to really make it uh, pop when Leia says, get this walking carpet out of the way, and it's like, that's Anthony Hopkins. It's you. How dare no. you? <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins, Jeez. if you please. Yeah. Knighted. <laughs> would you say this is... Um, where does this? Where do these stretch of issues compare to the holiday special? Um, on the one hand, they are better because you know it's there's a there's a uh, yeah they're better they're overall better yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say I might prefer the holiday special, but that's my uh, you know it's it's ingrained. I'm more familiar with the holiday special. But you love holographic acrobats. I mean, everyone. I do. <laughs> And Jefferson Starship. And B. Arthur. God. Yeah, there's a significant lack of B. Arthur in these comics. Yeah. <laughs> well, she could be, was Amaza? That could be young B. Arthur. Mm. That's true. She could grow up to become a cantina. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, um, yeah, if we don't have any more final thoughts about Star Wars 7 through 10, with the easily one of the crazier things we've read on this show. I highly recommend anyone listening that has not checked these out to please check these out. If only for just... There's such a cultural curiosity, and I think especially because of uh, what you guys mentioned earlier, that these came out at a time where there, where there was a complete lack of, you know, Star Wars, except for the films and maybe some iron-on transfers. That was yeah. it. <laughs> Which you can buy in, the, uh, in these issues, because they have, like, mail-away things for the iron-on transfers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Um, Let's uh, let's start with uh, Pete Taylor. Uh, do you guys uh, do you guys have anything to plug? Uh, yeah, well, Star Wars Minute. We just started our Star Wars uh, Minute. No, <laughs> sorry. We, we just started our uh, coverage of Empire Strikes Back. We're uh, we're right in the right in the beginning, so now's a good time for jumping on. Don't don't miss out on uh, Star Wars Minute the way that I missed out on Star Wars comics. Yeah. And uh, you guys also have some side projects, if you want to plug those. I know, uh, Pete, you have another podcast you do. 
I do. I'm also a co-host with my, my friend Al Adam of a podcast called Nerd Geek Dork, which we just kind of pick random kind of uh, pop culture uh, icons or what have you, and you know, movies, books, uh, whatever, and uh, and just kind of you know analyze them a little bit, geek out a little bit on them. Yeah. And Alex, you have a really awesome uh, art Tumblr that I do follow. Yeah, I'm. Uh, if you go to comicbookalex.com, that's pretty much brings you to my Tumblr, my Twitter, my Facebook, all the stuff you'll need to know about me. My comics. Imagine that. Comics I did. Yeah. Uh, and also, I want to second the plug for Star Wars Minute. Yeah. Which you can see yeah. at StarWarsMinute.com. Um, <laughs> Alex, you were the uh, author and illustrator of one of my favorite uh, graphic novel series of the last 10, 10, 15 years of Box Office Poison. I loved it. <laughs> I like how you edged in that 15 there. <laughs> Just because it's been 15, 20 years. I, I I I get older and I forget how long ten years was. <laughs> yeah, because I yeah. think it's longer a longer time than it is. I keep thinking ten years ago is like nineteen ninety eight, and it's so not true. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, great. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Um, if you're interested in purchasing Star Wars number seven through ten, you can visit mattbrettlovecomics.com. You can purchase those trades through our Amazon links, which of course give us just a tiny bit of money. Uh, you can also find those issues on uh, darkhorseshop.darkhorse.digital.com. It's, it's digital, so, digital.darkhorse.com. It's a lot of dots. Digital horse. Dot, digital dot, horse. Dot dark, dark of. Dark shop. And those digital. dots are written out. They're D-O-T, not right. 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 So. Dark the Department of Transportation horse. site that leads you to... <laughs> Um, we're at mattbreadlovecomics.com you can check out some of our old issues like Aaron Burdett talking about Sonic the Hedgehog comics or when we had Jeff Rubin from College Humor talking about X-Force Assault on Grey Malkin um, you can also go to facebook.com slash theylovecomics or mattbreadlovecomics.tumblr.com to talk to us and tell us what you thought about this or any past episode uh, if you fancy what you've heard here today go on and rate and review the show on iTunes because it helps us out kind of like how Han and Chewie helped out that weird band of People on Aduba 3? Way to pull it back together. Yeah, I I love it. References, references. (laughs) Uh, Tell all your friends about the show, and as always, thanks to our producer, Ben Regeeb, who's a Star Trek guy. We've talked about Star Trek on the show way more than Star Wars, and we've got to fix that. That's true. Because I love Star Wars a million times more than Star Trek. Ben, you are the Bantha carrying our cyborg body to Pilot Hill. (laughs) God. Spacer Hill? Spacer Hill, sorry. Oh, jeez. Um... (laughs) Pilot Hill's in a different neighborhood. That's, that's you don't want to go there. Yeah. Oh no. no. <laughs> Hasn't been gentrified yet with, nope. with no. green rabbits and space carrots and spiners. <laughs> oh god, the spiners live in Spacer Hill. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks again to Alex and Pete for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and be sure to check out Empire Strikes Back Star Wars Minute dot com. I just taught, made up a URL. You <laughs> love doing this. Uh, and now also, I have to go make that website. <laughs> any any URL mention of the show, we have to make. It's like a union rule. Yep, yep. The podcast union. Podcast union. Uh, so uh, until next time, I'm Brett. And I'm Matt. And we love comics. It's true. Even Star Wars comics. Even Star Wars comics. A lot of them are really good. Yeah. These were great. These were delightful. <laughs>